to the cause and effect a podcast from the winnipeg foundation where we talk to people about the causes that they care about and the effect that it has on their lives my name is nolan bicknell connie newman knows seniors issues as the executive director of the manitoba association of senior centers connie has been devoting her life to advocating for the needs of seniors here in our province for nearly 15 years As a retired high school teacher, Connie's ability to bring people together and to solve problems makes her perfect in this role. And I'm a connector. I've got information and I've got knowledge and I firmly believe knowledge is power. And the more knowledge that people have, the more they control their own destiny. I sat down with Connie Newman to discuss generational issues, mental and physical health in seniors, and the importance of staying connected with one another. Connie Newman, thank you for being on the Because and Effect podcast. I wanted to talk to you a little bit in deep in depth since we met a couple months ago. Well, and I enjoy being here. Well, thanks for coming. We're going to talk about a lot of things, but your expertise as the executive director of the Manitoba Association of Senior Centers is seniors issues. And so that's going to be the primary thing about what, what, what we talk about. But just for a little bit of context, tell me like what the Manitoba Association of Senior Centers or MASC, M-A-C-S-C does. Like, give me an overview. We are an association of about 60 older adult organizations, clubs that bring together um, people to socialize, educate, eat, food, 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 brings everybody together and learn from each other. So from a social participation point of view, clubs and centers that we, we don't financially support but we capacity support them. Right. And I think that's critical. Well, that socialization is so important. And I think a lot of people my age especially take it for granted. You know, you're on a team or you're, you, you're, you just graduated from school. You have classmates. A lot of seniors don't necessarily have a lot of those people left in their circle. So why, why is this socialization, socialization aspect so important? It's part of the mental health and self-esteem because I, I have a lady right now who's connecting with me and, and she's over 70, I'm assuming, and she wants a friend. She wants a friend to do something with, to go for a walk, to go, to just be together with. And when I think about our mental health crisis we're in, appear to be in now, it's no different and it's across all ages. Uh, if we're connected to somebody, we don't have to be 21st day, seven days a week, but we need that special person in our lives to help us feel good. A lot of times the mental health crisis is often framed around youth and, you know, the anxiety from social media and all that stuff. But the quiet desperation of the seniors who don't really have those social channels is something that kind of flies under the radar a little bit. Hey, It, it does. And part of it has to do with we come through life and we work, we retire if we're lucky, we don't have any major crisis up to that point. And then we are sit there one day when we retire, and what do I do next? What's the plan? And if we become socially connected through centers, uh, clubs, some of us, I mean, all you got to do is go into the coffee shops at noon and or at 10 o'clock in the morning, and there are a lot of older people in there connecting. And same with kids. When I'm a junior high, reti- retired junior high teacher, 
And very near and dear to my heart are youth today because uh, I've seen it all in terms of kids, if they feel good about who they're with, they feel good about themselves, and then they're okay in society. It's the same thing for older adults. Kids have schools and sports to connect with. Older adults, it's not as easy right. as we age. Is social isolation the main sort of issue that most seniors are facing right now? Or what is, if not? I'm not sure they would define it as the main issue. I, When I think about seniors and I think about our member centers, we're looking at income security. We're living longer. Did I save enough money? Have I given my kids too much money? And therefore, there's not enough left for me. I think the other part is housing. As we age, our income is fixed and costs are going up, but the income doesn't go up. And therefore, we're having to pay out more than what's coming in. And it's a fact of life, and some of us prepare, some of us don't. Yeah, it's almost, it's almost, it works against you the longer you last, right? Because once you retire, there's no, it doesn't keep incrementally getting right. easier. That's Right. And, and that's a big one. So because of that income, that affects social participation. That affects your housing and where you live and all your utilities. Uh, because of income, it affects your health. If you're lucky and you've got decent income, then you're eating properly and you're able to take the medication the doctor is telling you to take. There are some of us out there that are giving up food to pay for medication. And that's a sad state of affairs when we hit the magic old age. No kidding. And some of us never get old. Mm -hmm. We're going to be kids forever. It's all, it's all a state of mind. Absolutely. Absolutely. How did you get involved in sort of this, this role of advocacy and just being a sort of champion for, for seniors' issues? I can remember back to a lovely lady said to me when I retired, Connie, we need your help at the local senior center. What do you need? Because at the time I was just sort of cruising into retirement. Well, we need a treasurer. So that was the start. And then I remember another older lady saying to me, I think you should apply for this job. Well, I was retired. Well, I ended up applying for that job, and here I am 15 years later still. And now that's mushroomed into advocating for older adults. Where does the energy come from? I'm, I'm, I've always been high octane. I spent 34 years in junior high and loved every minute of it. Um, and some people might say I'm ADD. Maybe I'm ADHD. <laughs> I don't know. Having fun. Just always kind of hopped up and ready to go and you ready to solve problems. And I'm a connector. Mm. I, I, I've got information and I've got knowledge and I firmly believe knowledge is power. And the more knowledge that people have, the more they control their own destiny. Well said. Well, do, you, do you see a parallel between the vulnerabilities of youth and the vulnerabilities of seniors as a, coming from a teacher? Absolutely. Yeah? Absolutely. Uh, especially that junior high, I spent a lot of time in the, that teenage years. And uh, a lot of the things that were near and dear to me then are the same things now. Well, give me an example. 
the, the child that has to move when they're 12, 13, I was part of a school that a lot of our kids, when I first started teaching, were military. And by the time they hit grade seven, they had been in seven different schools. Like, it, it blew me away, and that change every year is very hard. So being accepted by your peers at 12 years old is huge in the whole scheme of life. Well, now we go to a 60-year-old who needs to move and or needs to, should attend a club or a senior center, and it's the same sort of thing. Well, it's, it sounds like the parallel is a period of abrupt transition, You're going from work to not, going from friends to no friends, going from busy to all of a sudden you got all this time on your hands, right? Yes. So what are, what are some of the solutions that d these senior centers come up with to kind of help curb these problems? Feed them. Food. Get, I, gather I, around I'm, food. I, it really is. And, you know, we t I travel a province and I'm up in the paw and we're having lunch together. Uh, we go to Flin Flon or we go to Carmen or we go to different places. And lo and behold, it's the same thing. People gather over food. And if we go back 20 years, families gathered over the dinners. So all of that fits into what happens at centers and at clubs. Sometimes just coffee and conversation is part of. Well, it's just the the universal human experience, right? It's just everyone gathering together, feeling, uh, you know, seen, feeling appreciated, feeling loved, and feeling like a part of a community. Yes. Yeah. What? And no matter what age. So when I when I hear media and I hear news and I get real concerned about um, some of our people in Winnipeg and beyond who are not connected anywhere. Mm. And how do we help them connect? I'm still involved with an after-school program over in West St. James because back many years ago, let's just put it that way. A few way, years ago. We saw a need for what are kids, teenagers doing after school. So we got some collaborators and some connectors together, and I'm proud to say the program's still operating, and youth from the age of 11 to 17 have a place to go from... 3.30 to 6.30, five days a week. That's beautiful. It is. I I love it. What, what are some of the um, maybe negative media stereotypes or things that you see on the news or whatever that just kind of grind your gears a little bit when it comes to the senior population? If it bleeds, it leads. Any sort of tragedy? I, absolutely. Um, every now and then I get a call from media and they want to know my thoughts on an event. And my first response in my head is to think about the individual victim, the family of that victim, and the staff in that facility mm. around. And the more I feed media, the more it feeds the negativism around. And I mean, I would love media to pick up intergenerational programs. The fact that out in West St. James, there's an after-school program for kids to hang out. So we tend to, as media, focus on negative. Yeah. And it bothers me immensely. Has it always been like that? Or have you noticed an uptick in, in that kind of uh, reporting? It maybe has always been like that, but media is instantaneous today. Good point. And if I go back 20, well, mm. yeah, probably 20 years, Nobody, we didn't have cell phones and iPads and iPods and notebooks and 
big flashy lights out there. And so it's instantaneous. Yeah. I go home, turn the TV on, and it's bleeding. Something's negative. And so we get into that negative environment. Yeah. I mean, I've got some older adults that are stuck at home because of mobility or whatever. So they get that constant barrage of negativism, and then we wonder why they're depressed. I'd be depressed too. No kidding. So how do we, how do we combat that? How do we, how do we help? We collectively need to brag about the good things happening in our world. I, I am absolutely convinced. I was in South Winnipeg yesterday, and the school and a couple of older adults are going to do uh, some sort of mentorship and volunteerism and bring older adults into the school. It made me feel good. And the more we do, so if somebody invites me to a meeting, I'm right there like a dirty shirt <laughs> and in promoting the good stuff in life. What are some of the good things in your life right now? My independence, my health. Uh, my daughter is living with, no, she's visiting right now. She's not living with me. She's healthy. Um, my dog is good. <laughs> What's your dog's name? My dog's name is Toby, Toby. or Tobiko. Oh. He's a schnauzer, and he's uh, every day's a gift with him because he's twelve years old, oh, and nice. we know his days are limited, but he's still healthy. So, and it sounds like gratitude is something you practice a little bit, a lot, a lot. People in my world, if you haven't got something positive to say, and if you're constantly being negative, I'm going to say to you, have you not got something good to say today? And generally. I get a response back that's positive. If people are constantly negative, they're not in my world. Or if the messages that they're being inundated with are negative, how could you avoid it, right? Well, so it's tough. It kind of ties back in. And so I tend to, I say hi to people. There's a security man downstairs, and I said, good morning, walking by him. And then I stopped. Oh, no, it must be afternoon by now. He smiled, and it made it. We have to recognize people. We have to be friendly. We're friendly Manitoba. We need to be age-friendly. Mm. Well, we had a vital conversation that kind of talked about making communities more age-friendly. What are some tips that you took away from that vital conversation? It was called uh, Living Long and Staying Strong, and we were focusing on healthy aging and age-friendly communities. So like, what's something that the average person probably doesn't think about when it comes to being, quote, age-friendly that we could we could or should implement into our uh, society. Smile and say hi when you walk by somebody on the street. To me, it's as simple as that. To me, it's respect of people that are different than you, that are the same as you. Social respect is huge. Mm. Um, I go for a walk with my dear Tobiko, and people that walk dogs generally are friendly. They stop and say hi. Some are cautious because their dogs aren't nice. But we need to be saying hi to people. To me, is the first. We need to respect people of all ages. I'm a firm believer in multi-generational facilities, like our leisure center, our recreation centers, our community centers. Um, we have gone from a society where everybody knew everybody on the street. Then we put up big fences that you can't see your neighbor. In some cases, it's probably needed. But generally, we got to get rid of the big fences and we got to say hi. And we have to respect people of all ages, all colors, 
all ways of life. Mm-hmm. It seems so simple, but it's weird that we've we're we're straying away from the things that make us human and then the shared experiences we all have. We need to learn how to walk a mile in somebody else's mm-hmm. shoes. Empathy. Empathy. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we tend to poke at some of us, not me, mm-hmm. poke at people that are disadvantaged mm. and we would never want to be there. And so why do we do that? I, I don't understand it. There's so many things in our life in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada that we need to be thankful for because I've been in other places in this world and I mean, some of them are in the media right now <laughs> and we're lucky. And li- maybe we're living on luck. I, it doesn't matter. I hear you. Um, have these issues always kind of been prevalent in the senior community, do you think, or has it shifted over the last few years? Because different cultures have different reverence for their elders, right? And it seems kind of like the North American version is kind of like, okay, we have old age homes and retirement homes and things that it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. Whereas some cultures have, they bring in their, their parents and take care of them until the very end. And like, well, we could debate that one because there are many cultures that are living in Canada now. And I don't know from where they came, but living in Canada now. And once their parents are no longer needed for childcare, their parents are lonely. Right. And so we're into that same kind of cycle. And everybody needs to be needed for something. Doesn't matter what age. When we're 13 years old, we want to have our own dip independence. But we still need to be needed. It's a purpose. Absolutely. People need a purpose. How can how can we help bridge that generational gap? And how can we help people continue to find and maintain a purpose? multi-generational events. Uh, I'm a firm believer, and I said that at this meeting yesterday, we have to put generations together a minimum of five times in in an event period. Mm. One-offs don't work. They're social events. Uh, Three to five times, because some of the programs we encourage through the school system and some of the programs we're encouraging in senior centers, clubs, Uh, If you meet somebody five times, it sticks. If you only meet them once, it doesn't always stick. Yeah. We we did a story on a uh, sort of grandpas and grandmas and tots swimming combination. And that was just such a success because it invigorates the seniors and the kids get this wisdom and knowledge and fun and experience with with their grandkids. Somebody other than their parent cares about them. Mm-hmm. It's, it's huge. It's important. I, I think about mentorship both at in senior centers and in that old teenage, and everybody needs a significant person in their life, no matter what age. And the more we can encourage that sort of bonding, it's important. Yeah, it'll change many lives, really. Oh, absolutely. For all kinds of reasons. Is there a certain volunteer? What can the average person do to alleviate some of these societal issues when it comes to um, senior issues? Be nice. <laughs> well, for sure. It's Say just, hello. To me, it's be nice. It's as simple as that, and it's a starting point. Mm-hmm. And from an older adult senior point of view, there are senior centers, there's programs 
friendly visitor program. And you know, you may not be mobile, and if you're stuck at home, maybe you'd like to talk on the phone, and there are people out there who would love a phone call because they don't talk to anybody. So there's different ways and different places for everybody to give back. Be nice and give back. It's a good way to live. Pay it forward. Yeah. Let no one be alone. I, I think it speaks a lot to what we take for granted when it comes to socialization and, and you know, just going to work and seeing some people, right? Like people mm-hmm. absolutely take that for granted. And once that's taken away, it can be incredibly damaging to the mental health. For sure. Yeah. Um, and, and that's part of as we age, we go through life crisis. I mean, I in my youth earlier went through a couple of crises and, and they're hard to come out of. But you have to force yourself out of them. And you learn from every crisis you learn. And every day is precious. And so when we knew as, or we learned as parents, maybe after the fact, you need to say, I love you, if that's appropriate for the relationship, because you don't know if you're going to get a second chance to say it, because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And as we go through life, We don't want to not say something. For my mom and my dad, I I, people would say to me, "You're you're always taking care of your mom." And right now, I've got a friend who's in um, personal care home, and a couple of people say to me, "You're always doing. You should have no regrets." Well, I don't, because at some point that person's life is going to end. But I know that if I stop by, I've done as much as I can do to make that person's life the best it can be. Mm-hmm. If you could focus on one thing for the rest of your career to move the needle a little bit when it comes to these issues, what, what would be one thing that you would focus on to try to try to make a difference in? That's hard. You're asking a person who's hyper to focus on one <laughs> thing. thing. doesn't happen. <laughs> To me, I think I'm going to, two words, be nice. Yeah. The more I encourage people, the more I encourage people to self-esteem. Take a person out for lunch. Take a person to a a club or a senior center. Help them to belong. Yeah. Um, To me, it's huge. I was just talking to my partner last night, actually. We were discussing, you know, eye contact. And how even when you're at a store or, or buying a bag of chips, you're just kind of de- looking down and you just hand the money and you get your change and you t- you know, have a nice moment. Like you said with the security guard of like, good morning or good afternoon. How, how are things today? Yeah. And have a real sort of interaction that seems like it's kind of been slipping away from, from our generation a little bit. And I'm very cautious about asking a question, how are you? Because that could get you into a long conversation. So I'm short, I'm to the point, you make the eye contact, you smile. And if it's somebody in customer service doing a good job, I will say, got to tell your boss you're doing a good job today. That kind of thing, because you want to focus on the positive. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when I ask people, how are you? They're not good. I don't want to hear it. There's nothing I can do about it. Yeah, that's for sure. And it's kind of just the interaction of, positiveness yeah exactly that'll that'll make it'll it'll pay it for itself forward almost because then they'll do the same thing yeah. yeah so at the end of our 
miniature conversation. We we have a segment called Just Because, where it's seven questions I've asked every single guest. Are you willing to uh, jump into the arena with us? Yeah. All right. Let's Go do for it. it. <laughs> first question. What is the very first cause you ever remember caring about? From a memory point of view, I'm going to suggest... <laughs> um, skateboarders uh, on the streets when I was teaching junior high and it was about 1980s and it bothered me they were on the street and I needed to get them off the street because they're taking these skateboards to and from school and I got involved in the skateboarding industry movement I'm gonna call it so I can still remember gathering the kids together and their parents and anybody who is interested in my school at the time, we fundraised and we built the skate park out in St. James. Wow. I never would have guessed that you were a, a skater chick. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 well, when I, when, <laughs> no disrespect, of course. No, 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 none taken. <laughs> that put, and because of my, I guess, affinity and love of teenagers and, and the need for that put me way back in those days in that whole skateboarding and I remember being around when they built the skate park at the Forks. So that's how far back this goes. And the value in skateboarding for all youth from the age of six through, well, there are some that are in the age of 40 and 50, feeling some pain because they still skateboard. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I did it growing up a lot. And yeah. uh, so thank you for your work. It seems like you're sort of a champion for the voiceless or the powerless. You feel like the need to to be that beacon for people a little bit. Well, I would say my my mom especially would never have believed it. She's probably rolling over in her grave right now. Because, Why? Well, she was part of that society where women weren't mm. as vocal as her daughter is, was. It was kind of, you're, you're taught, you know, just speak when yeah, spoken all, to and all, all that, that craziness. Yes, hey? all of that kind of stuff. Well, it's, I'm glad that you spoke up a little bit. Well. Question two. If money and politics and logistics were no issue at all, what's the first thing you would do in support of your current cause? Create multi-generational facilities. Uh, the more I think about it, the more I watch. I'm very fortunate. I've got a my bestest friend across the back. I live in a townhouse condo. Aria, her name is, and she's about, I've wa I'm watching her grow up and she's about five years old and she comes for a visit to keep me connected to that age group. Um, I think the more we can put all generations together uh, is important. Yeah, it helps them grow up with fewer anxieties and it helps the adults kind of stay young, yeah, stay absolutely. energetic. Yep. Question three, what's the biggest stigma about seniors in general, would you say? Society is portraying seniors as frail. And 90% of the people out there that are senior are not frail. Uh, we're contributing to society as much as, in some cases, more than we did in our younger years, and seniors generally are not costing the healthcare system as much as the perception is. Mm -hmm. We just need more positive media stories focusing uh -huh. on the on the benefits rather yes. than the costs. Yeah. Yep. Question four: What's a time in your life where you had to pivot because a plan wasn't really working out? Every day. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I I took a, it was about 40-some years ago, and I took a look at my life, where I was and what I was doing and how I was living and decided I didn't want to spend the next 50, 60 years in that sort of situation. And I woke up one day and said, that's it. So is, I moved. Is that abrupt? Yeah, yeah, pretty wow. close. Wow. Pretty close. It's courageous. At the time it was. Yes, it was. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, question five, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given? For me, a roaring lion catches no game. A roaring lion catches no game. Okay. So if I want to make change, if I want to get things done, I go at it through the bush, through the mm. gas, grass. If I make too much noise and I get too pushy, I'm not going to get it done. There's a balance you got to hit though, right? It can't, you can't be a... It goes back to being nice. Hmm. And there's nice ways to get the job done. And there's bully ways to get the job done. And as a junior high teacher, there are probably some kids that thought I was a bully. And I probably was a verbal bully. Hmm. But I got the job done. And the bottom line and the intent was for the best of the kids. Mm -hmm. I had a soft heart. I had a roar but I had it soft. Art. Rough exterior. And Absolutely. A, yeah. Like I feel like a good every good teacher kind of has to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, question six. What's the best or what advice would you give your ten year old self if you could talk to her? Well, I thought about that. Especially at the ten year old, ten, eleven, twelve. You're special. Mm. Think you're special. Be special, and you will be special. It's that power of self-esteem. If you feel good about yourself and you know you're good, you'll survive. Yeah. Because I, I can go back when I was 10, 11, and 12 years old and, and wonder where I fit in society and how uh, was I good enough. And if you're in a position where you're not getting that message, you've got to put it into your head. I think a lot about the uh, the our relationship to to uniqueness, and once when you're unique as a kid, it's shunned because nobody wants to be different or feel different. And then you get a little older, and you realize the things that make you different are, are some of the coolest things about yourself, right? It would be that's the main thing that I think our kids need to understand is that the things that make you different are the coolest things about you. Embrace them and like dive into them head first. It's that whole self-esteem. Yeah, absolutely. If you feel good, you'll know you're good. Yeah. And, so, and when we're kids, we sometimes need to be told that because when we're in society, society isn't always nice. Mm -hmm. And it goes back to the be nice kind of thing. Be nice. It's be two, nice. two simple words. Oh, absolutely. Well, this might be your answer to number seven. What do you want to be remembered for? Oh, I, 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 a caring person, a person who connects, and a person who shares. Doesn't matter what wealth dollars we have, we need to share. We need to share ourselves. We need to care about people. And Hopefully, that's how I present, too. For me, I've got to be careful that I don't be caring about too... Don't be caring. <laughs> Excuse me. 
that I don't take on the load of caring for too many people because it takes a lot of work in some areas with some people. Yeah, you can't spread yourself too thin either. Fantastic. Thank you for doing this. This has been wonderful to talk to you. I don't know if you've done a podcast before, but uh, I, if I was your first, I'm proud. Oh, well, I'm proud that you're proud. This is good. Yeah. I love it. It's been a blast. Thank you for being here, Connie, and uh, good luck with everything in the future, and we'll continue to be nice. Good. I've got the message across to you anyway. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you again to Connie Newman for the wonderful conversation today. I love her just general approach to seniors issues, which or any issues really, which is just be nice, be nice to each other. And you know, if you or someone you know is going through a tough time, reach out, give them a call, visit an older friend or colleague or family member, and let's just all kind of take care of each other out there. All music on the Because and Effect podcast is produced and composed by Trenton Burton. You can hear more of his music at trentonburton.com. Thank you again to Sonny Permolo and Robert Zirk for additional production assistance on the podcast and to everyone at the Winnipeg Foundation for your support. Because and Effect is a podcast from the Winnipeg Foundation with new episodes airing every Tuesday. You can follow the Winnipeg Foundation at WPGFDN on social media and you can follow me at Nolan Bicknaw on Twitter and Instagram as well. Thank you again for listening. We will see you next week for our next episode. And remember, live your life and forget your age. Bye-bye.